With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. At Bed365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, what up? Welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Man, we're right in the heart of college basketball season. A lot of good stories, but this weekend... Duke, Carolina, part one. So we thought we would give you part two of my uh, my pod with Tyler Hansborough. Well, we left off with part one. Of course, you can go back and listen. Uh, it's in your queue, I'm sure. If you haven't listened to it, but if you don't, just type in all ball, Tyler Hansborough, you'll see part one. We left off junior season, final four. That's when they got blown out okay, by Kansas. Got down big, came back, ball in the air to tie it lose okay that's about the time where we left off with pod one let's catch back up with tebow so you get ready for your, so your junior year you're super motivated you didn't like your sophomore year uh, do you remember your first game your junior year? uh let's see here play davidson yeah so davidson and they had they had a they had, they had a guard steph curry yeah. And I'm I'm wondering at at that time did what what did you know anything about Steph Curry when you step on the floor against this kid? Really didn't. No, uh-uh. Steph wasn't. You know, he, Davidson was a Davidson's a tough team. They're they're one of those teams that mid major that you know always kind of sneaks into a tournament or whatever, and you got to take him serious. But no, Steph wasn't Steph then. Uh, I think. Steph really started blowing up later in the year and then started making tournament run. Yeah. And then uh, the next year's that was that was that was the year. No, that was the year that they made the run. That, that was the year that they that they they lost to Kansas in the Elite Eight. Otherwise, they would have played in the final four. Right. That's crazy. Like, like your first your first game, you, know, you go out there, you're playing Davidson like. Mm. Yeah. And so they actually gave us a pretty decent game. Uh I, re- I remember because I got a technical foul that game and coach Williams chewed me out uh, for doing that. I'm not sure what I did. Maybe I pushed or talked a little smack, but uh, I remember coach yelling at me uh, on the bench, asking me, how could I be so stupid? <laughs> I remember that from that game. Uh, but uh, now Steph wasn't, wasn't Steph then, but he was building up to uh, becoming, you know, the, you know, Steph Curry that everyone knows today. Uh, but they they gave us a run, uh, and um, yeah. Who gave you the psycho T nick? Who gave you the psycho T nick? Our strength coach, one of my best friends, Jonas Serration, uh, who uh, is a. Uh, so I, I love you know I'm a big workout guy, and so I built a good relationship with the strength coach at UNC. He was actually at Kansas when I visited, and then he eventually ended up at uh, UNC with Coach Williams. And, um, you know, I'd been, I, I like to work out. So we built a relationship my freshman year. He gave me that nickname because I was a very quiet kid. And then all of a sudden, you know, I, you know, I have a little switch and I'd start talking and everything. So then he started calling yes. me, you know, you know, screaming a little bit in the weight room, you know, just, uh, you know, meathead stuff. And then he gave me the uh, nickname psycho T. And then, so, when everyone else started calling me Psycho T, he stopped and uh, he was like, "No, nah, it's too mainstream now. I can't call you that." And so he. So then what? Then what do you call you? Anybody from my hometown calls me uh, T Bone. That's what they use because I'm tall and bony. And so when I was a kid, yeah. so that's how I know if you really know me that from back in the day in high school, they call me T Bone, T Hand. So he calls me T Hands, T Bone, or Handsbro. Uh, but that's, that's all he calls me now, which he, when, when you're, when you're lifting, do you go Metallica? Do you go hardcore rap? When you go full meathead, what do you listen to? ACDC. And, uh, mm. I'm a, yeah. Hell now, the only thing about ACDC is, I don't know if you know this, 
They all sound the same, right? Doesn't matter the song, right? Because I'm back in blind. Right, they all sound, they, they are, uh, it's a kick-ass, hard-rocking band. Okay, but they all sound the same. <laughs> so, uh, what, what is, what's your, what's your go-to? Thunderstruck, Back in Black. Hell's Bells. Uh, Hell's Bells. Yeah. Hell's Bells. Great song. And so, he actually, back in, we, we listened to Guns N' Roses a little bit, too. Fuck yeah. That's, I mean, this is weightlifting music, right? Yeah. Like, give me something to, work, to, flip, the, to flip the switch. Right to get the, the that 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 was that was our music and you know if we wanted to mix up we went Eminem which Eminem's pretty dark and yeah, uh, yeah, a little yeah. different but you know those those were our go to jams back in the day and uh, still get them going today. Um, so so uh, like the junior obviously is super super special. Uh, it, when you when you if you think when you close your eyes like what's the most vivid game memory before you get to the final four what's what's the memory that pops up there's a there's actually a few games from my junior year all right Uh, go go there's a game we played virginia tech uh in the middle of the season and i remember i didn't play much that game but i felt like that was one of the most efficient games i'd i'd played it was in the smith center and uh even though my staff, you guys kicked the shit. You guys beat them by forty. We beat the yeah. We beat the brakes off of them, and I remember you had twenty three in twenty nine minutes. That's pretty efficient. Yeah, and I remember I was like, man, I didn't really, you know, I felt like I could have played more, but I just felt like I had everything going that game, and I felt like that was one of the best games I played. Uh, my junior year, obviously, um, it's one of the best dunks of my career. Is I get on a fast break. I'm not sure if it's against um, College of Charleston, whatever it is. It's one of the early games in the year. I remember that dunk. Uh, I remember the Virginia Tech game, and then, but I remember you know Ty was in and out dealing with some injuries, um, and so I, I remember just playing really well in conference play and had a lot going for me. My, my confidence was pretty high my junior year, and. Uh, yeah, I felt like I played pretty well then. And then, obviously, when we got to the Final Four, I felt like we were too satisfied with just getting to the Final Four and uh, then got railroaded by Kansas. Um, yeah, you got smacked by Kansas. Yeah. Smacked. That, that, was, that, was, a- that, that, was, when, that was when they, they got out to a huge, huge lead, right? Yep. And you guys kind of made it a game it's in, in, in San Antonio. But what, what's that, what's that, what was that like? To be down so big, what, what, what like, what was what was Coach Williams like? Well, first of all, there was a ton of emotion in that game because Coach Williams, it's his first game against Kansas, being at Carolina, and you know there was a there was a, a lot of angry. I think KU had a lot of you know fight in them, not just from like the energy in the arena. I mean. Kansas travels. I mean, Kansas, they packed the whole place and um, the energy in there, it was, it felt like we're (laughs) felt like a road game for us. And uh, I remember we just came out and laid an egg and we, we actually had a shot, Danny green, top of the key, I think would have tied it that three, but kind of rolled out and we had kind of fought our way back, but our tank was on E by the time that, you know, we, we even had a shot, uh, we had just gotten down in the hole so much that we clawed our way back and we just didn't have the fight because we were just gassed from even making it a game. And, uh, you know, that was a tough loss. Um, one, because, you know, we, we wanted to win that game for coach Williams, but also, uh, you know, the way we lost, we got steamrolled. So that was motivating. And, uh, you know, in a way I think, that game kind of shaped it for us to win it my senior year. And the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, when you get, when you take a loss like that, you realize getting to the final four is cool, but you know, the job is to win the national championship. You don't want to be just happy getting there. And I think that's what we all realize that, Hey, you know, we want to win the thing. If we're going to go to the final four, let's, let's win the damn thing. So you decided to come back. So there was no discussion about, you know, you didn't didn't ask didn't ask grandpa. You didn't ask your mom and dad. I did talk to him. I did. I did talk to my grandpa. He's like, go back, and then it wasn't short. I just like, 
you know, it was just like, yeah, yeah, go back to school. And so by that point, you know, I had such a good, um, I had built up such a good career at UNC. What's an extra year in college going to do? And it wasn't like, you know, if I was a top five pick, I probably would have entertained it a little bit. But the reality was that I was projected mid, you know, first round. And, uh, and I felt like another year in college wasn't going to damage that. Uh, but, you know, going into my senior year, it, it was a very difficult year for me. And there was a lot of expectations, but also <clears throat> I was dealing with a stress fracture in my shin. And I don't know what it was, but something wasn't right. So I had worked so hard in the off season that I started getting a stress reaction, stress fracture, whatever. And so I was having a ton of pain in my shin. I thought it was shin splints. And so I, you know, was going through conditioning. Finally, you know, I couldn't sleep at night. I was having a lot of pain. Then we realized, you know, after MRI that I had this stress reaction. And so, you know, I had to step away and kind of take it easy and let that heal. But that was right before the season. And so that was a, that's a bad time to kind of be sitting out because you can't really prepare like you want to. And so, you know, I had put a lot of pressure on myself and mentally, it was difficult because any like you know how it is when you prepare you know a big part of that is psychological knowing that you put the work in to prepare is going to put your mind at ease a little bit and give you the confidence and i didn't really feel like i had that for my senior year cuz i was more catering to trying to get healthy and stay healthy uh which that shin actually continued to bother me my whole year and uh my first year with the pacers i actually had to miss uh, a big chunk of time because of that shin. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. What's that, what's that like to carry that burden of? Because it's one of those, we do this weird thing in the media where we want you to come back, you know? And then when you come back, we kind of hyper-focus and have a tendency to pick you apart. Fans do it probably even more so than... What's what's that like to be that guy under that microscope? Well, I think it's natural. I mean, you know, I and I've always had this theory that you know, the more people watch you, the less impressed they're going to be because they're going to start seeing your flaws. And a big part of that is because when you know, I feel like when NBA scouts watch a player, it's not necessarily like you see some player just pops on the scene. Everyone's like, "Oh, this player's going to be really good," but a lot of people haven't seen him yet. But also you've watched some player in college for three years who's a very good player, probably going to be a decent pro. You totally go with the guy that you haven't seen that much because uh, you you haven't really seen his flaws as often. Uh, and you, you kind of view it as, you know, what you're not sometimes. But, you know, for me, when I made that decision, well, when I made that decision to come back to school, I think T- Ty Lawson had made the decision to come back to school as well. And so, you know, we made that jointly at the same time. We talked to coach and uh, Ty's a different cat. I mean, Ty said he's coming back to school and then uh, declared uh, as a joke uh, to play a joke on coach, what I actually thought was hilarious. Uh, but what coach say? So we were having our basketball banquet. And before the banquet, uh, coach pulled us in and he just said, you know, you guys sure you want to come back? I just want to make sure before it's public. He's like, we're both like, absolutely, we'll come back. Yeah, we're we're still the same. And so we had the banquet. Ty gets on the mic and he goes, I've really enjoyed my time at UNC. 
uh, um, and I'm going to go uh, this year. I'm declaring for the draft and uh, kind of leaves and every the whole place is just quiet. And then you see Coach Williams just kind of like tapping Coach Rob and the assistants. And then he walks back up there. He's like, no, nah, I'm just joking, guys. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, one of the best pranks I've seen. Ty's a pretty funny guy. Uh, and I, I wish more people saw that. But um, when we declared, it was also the last day of, of class. And that's when, you know, anybody that's been to you know, college, you realize it's a big party day. And so I remember <laughs> me and Frazier and some other you know, teammates, we had this text chain. Hey, what are we doing? Like, where are we going? What frat? Blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's where I jumped off that roof into that pool. And also Marcus Skinner did it. Bobby Frazier did it. Who Frazier was just coming off an ACL injury, uh, which he got a lot of attention for that, which was comical, uh, that we, we all ended up in the newspaper and all over everywhere. It seemed like for, for jumping off that roof. And, uh, <laughs> I just thought it was funny because Frazier, you know, hasn't played in a year, but he's jumping off a, a frat house into a small pool uh, coming off an ACL injury. What, what was the frat that you were? Uh, did, did you did you have like certain frats that you like to hang with or just like whoever would hit you up? No, I, uh, I, I wasn't at the um, no, I didn't go to many frat houses. I was more, you know, kind of go out to, to the bar. bar guy. So, yeah. Bar. Uh, what kind of favorite beer is what? Cold, what favorite cold beer is what? Oh man, <laughs> we used to we used to drink Yingling in college, and yeah, sure. uh, okay, I don't know how we we had a Yingling. Um, yeah, who's beer. the Pittsburgh? Isn't it? That's a big big in Pittsburgh. Yeah, right? and so I want I want to know who brought who brought Yingling to the to the to the Carolina party. Marcus Skinner, got to give him credit for that. Uh, he had the beer okay. guy, and so uh, it was that and uh, Miller Light, and so. I gravitated towards the Miller Lite, uh, but we played beer pong with the Yingling because we could get like, we we had so much Yingling just kind of laying around. And I remember, man, I was like, man, guys, this beer's a little thicker. And so it made the beer pong games, you know, it, it made it a lot more interesting uh, depending on which, you know. Who's the best, who is the best beer pong player on your Carolina team? Uh, I could tell you. Marcus Ginyard had a tolerance for alcohol that uh, I haven't seen a lot of people have. So he was pretty impressive. It's like an, it's like a hollow leg. Guys that have that hollow leg, it's just amazing. Yeah, he he was so very I, impressive. I played with a guy, Joe Atkins, and uh, our senior year, Joe, um, Coach, you know, he and Coach Williams were very close. And coach uh, called us in and said, you know, I've been talking to some of you guys. And it's great. Y'all made the decision to stay out of the bars this year. And we're looking around like, the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> there wasn't a single guy that would ever say that. He's like, you know, so you guys came to that agreement. It's great. You know, you want to go to the bar. You got to go together. Because we had this. We, we always said no, no stray dogs, right? You're going out. You ain't going out by yourself. That shit does not end well, you know? Um so, you know, stray dogs, you know, you want to go have a beer, but you're going to stay out of the bars. So literally the next day we had a junior college transfer, this guy, Jason Keep. And I don't know if you ever remember Jason Keep, 6'11", 275, had Big Daddy on his tattooed on his arm, only D-A-D-Y. So we, we called him Big Daddy. He had worked on an oil, oil rig uh, uh, in like a gap year. Anyway, this fucker gets into a bar fight in his Oklahoma State basketball gear, like the next day after coach announced we had decided to stay out of the bars. But Joe Atkins, because we decided to stay out of the bars, like we're like trying to go dry. Like, Cole, we're not, hey, we're not going to drink. We're going to focus. Like, we want to win the whole thing. We're really good. Top 10 in the country. So he starts out, he's shooting terribly to start the year. Can't make a shot. So he, he, he announces to us that like, yo, DG, this shit ain't working for me. Like, I got to drink. But so not the night before the game, two nights for the game, he would buy a case of beer and we'd all go over and we'd, you know, do case race. We'd all empty the case, right? Sometimes there'd be like two or three guys there. Sometimes Joe would be there kind of by himself, right? But he had the ability, like if he drank fairly heavily two nights for the game, he was great. If he didn't, shaky, a little bit shaky. It's like some guys are just wired like that. Whereas... I had to get to bed early. Like I had to, I had to get like 10 o'clock. I had to be in my bed or I was garbage. I was hot garbage. 
Uh, it's amazing that some of those guys can 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 live on a little bit more beer than the rest. Of it, and I'm the same way as you. As like, I mean, if you give me a case of beer, you know, two nights for a game, I'm, I mean, I'm heavy. Uh, but no, I'm like you. I need to sleep. But uh, some guys can pull it off. And uh, an- another teammate is we had a walk on. <clears throat> now this was freshman year, I think. This guy named Surrey Wood, who was a just a walk on from a frat. This guy could throw him back. I mean, he is a legend. And so, yeah. um, so he, he shows up one time. One thing about Coach Williams is you're never late. You're never you're like you're ten minutes early. You do not want to show up late right. for Coach Williams ever. So this guy, we're in New York. He shows up not late by like ten minutes late, and we're like, oh boy. And so, you know, we get back. And, you know, to, to shorten the story, we get back to uh, Chapel Hill. We fly back, and uh, Surrey had obviously gone out the night before and had a lot of drinks. And so not only was he late, he thought he was going to practice. So he showed up to the bus as we were leaving New York in a practice uniform and uh, walks by coach. He goes, coach, I'm ready for practice. <laughs> Doesn't have his luggage or anything. We're leaving New York to go back to Chapel Hill. He thinks we're going to practice. And so uh, we get back to uh, Chapel Hill and coach, coach tells him like everyone – Meet me in the gym, practice, get your, uh, Surrey, get your practice gear on. So Surrey already has it. He just walks out into the gym and uh, he looks at Jonas. He's like, Jonas, warm him up. And so Jonas being funny goes, Surrey, take two laps around the gym. And so he just circles the gym. That guy ran 27 33s that day. It's the most cool. anybody has ever run under Coach Williams. And he, I mean, it's, we always talk about that story, how he survived 27 33s. Uh, it, was, it was amazing. But that guy had ran more than anybody in Coach Williams' uh, uh, history coaching, which is uh, very impressive. I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you a great – this one, I got to have Coach on at some point. So there's a famous game in Oklahoma State. So Bryant Reeves, you remember – you know the name Big Country. Mm-hmm. So – Kansas plays big country in old Gallagher Arena, tiny little place, 6,300 seats, 6,400 seats. And country against Greg Ostertag has 33 and 20. So the last home game of the year, they played Nebraska and they win the big eight. And it's on like a Thursday night. And I think they played on like a Sunday on CBS in, in a fall gallon. So they all go out or maybe they play on a Saturday games on Wednesday. So they, they all go out on a Thursday night, Thursday night in Stillwater is the big night. So they go out and they just get completely shit canned. Everybody except Bryant Reeves. He wasn't. A, he drank beer, but he wasn't senior year. He wasn't going out. He had a couple beers, went to sleep. So the other star was a guy named Randy Rutherford, who's one of the great shooters in the history of college basketball. So they cut. They got practice like at nine in the morning, and then they're leaving for Lawrence. So coach the same way. You know, fifteen minutes before you're taped, you're loose, you're shooting. So practice starts on time. These dudes walk in at like nine ten stinking drunk, you know, and one of the first like warm up shooting drills is curl shooting. You know, where you're, it's like acting like you're coming off a pin down, you're shooting elbow pull-ups and Randy Rutherford, great shooter misses everything hits one of the blocks. So coach is like, he knows something's up. Right. So he takes everybody downstairs except for Randy and runs them, runs the shit out. Of them. they're throwing up and whatever, you know, oh, do you know, so disrespectful to Kansas and to Oklahoma State. Remember, Bryant Reeves did not drink, did not go out, was the only starter on time for practice. So they go up to Lawrence, Kansas. They play against Jock Vaughn, those guys, national TV. Uh, Randy Rutherford, who could drink a beer, put it down, go out and hoop. He had 46. Bryant Reeves did not go out. Coach didn't run him. Didn't have a point. Wow. Not a single freaking point. Not, not one. Didn't pee a drop. That is, I mean, it's just Didn't amazing. It's amazing. And uh, I wonder if uh, I'd probably encourage the guys to go out more, uh, but it's a great story. <laughs> it, it is. It is interesting. Like, I mean, you obviously would have killed it in with NIL, right? I mean, they just, I can't, ima- I can't imagine, but there is something to, it's like, 
it's hard to explain to kids because I do understand that there's a financial aspect of it where you can go make a lot of money. But the 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 t- just like jumping off, I remember I was at ESPN. Like guys are jumping off a roof. Like that was a story. Like that's college. It's fun. It's time you're never going to get back and experiences you simply don't have at the professional level because the professional level uh, you've experienced it. You get done. You go do your own thing because yeah. you're a pro. You're an adult. Every people have families. Mm-hmm. And the other aspect is like, you know, you talk about some of the best stories when you look back on your college days or, you know, when you walk in and, you know, you have that hard practice, like coach puts you on the line, just runs you to death. I feel like coaches aren't doing that as much because players will just leave because of the transfer portal. And, you know, looking back on my days, I was like, man, you remember that practice we ran in 88? And, uh, you know, you're like, yeah. And like... That wouldn't happen. And a lot of those stories that, you know, that, that stuff makes you tougher as a player, mentally, physically, all that stuff. And, you know, I just feel like there's an aspect to the transfer portal that uh, teaches kids, which I don't like is when, and I talked about this on my podcast last episode, is I don't like the portal because kids can leave in the middle of the year. And, you know, it teaches them when things aren't going right, they can just pack their bags and go and expect a different situation with the same mindset at another school. And that, and like, it's not teaching kids how to handle failure or, you know, how to change things and make things better, even though things aren't going your way, which I have a big issue with the the portal right now. That's what I don't like. And I, and I understand it. If you allow the coaches kind of like what the Notre Dame uh, coach did uh, to their football team a few years ago and to go to LSU, if you allow him to do that in their most important time of their season, you got to allow the kids. But I don't like the aspect of either one. I think you should stay for the whole year. Uh, and I think, you know, these stories that we're talking about, you know, kids don't have that experience today. Okay. You get ready for your senior year. Okay. You've beaten Duke three times in Cameron. I want to get to the national championship and and winning it and what that's like. But the last trip into Cameron, what do you remember? Uh, The last trip into Cameron. um, Let me see here. I can't remember. All right. So that was a February game. Uh, What I remember um, from that game is, well, I think we controlled the game somewhat. but I remember Ty had a huge spurt where he took over the game late, and I felt like that really secured the win for us. I thought Ty had a really good game in Cameron and played well. Uh, but yeah, to get that fourth win there, uh, and you know, for for our freshman class to go unbeaten at Cameron was a huge deal. And also, we could talk a lot of smack uh, to Duke fans and everything. Has so- anyone ever done that? Has, has there ever been a class that's won all four times? I, I think there has just one other, and I'm not sure. Uh, I think Buzz Peterson told me they did it. Uh, I'm not really sure, but I have to fact check him. But uh, I think one other class did it. But yeah, that that was special uh, going undefeated there. And then obviously we played Duke my senior year in the Smith Center, and so obviously we didn't want to. We didn't want to leave uh, with an L on senior night. Obviously, we, we remember how J.J. and Sheldon left. And so, you know, that that game had a lot of emotions in it because you're dealing with all your family, all your tickets. It's your last home game, your last time. But also, you got to stay focused on the game. It's tough to do that. Uh, and so, I remember that game, um, we pretty much dominated. I think we controlled that game through and throughout. Uh, it was a Sunday game, and I remember – uh, actually, Michael Jordan being there, which I thought was really cool as well. Uh, anytime he's in the building. Uh, yeah, and that's what I remember about, you know, beating Duke my senior year both times. What jumps, what what memories do you have of that NCAA tournament run? Because I remember, I remember the OU game, mm-hmm. right? Um, against you, you against Blake. Yep. Um, I remember that. I remember the Nova game. That was when they were playing four guards. Mm-hmm. You know, was, that was her big thing. And I remember the national championship game. You, it wasn't close <clears> against <throat> Michigan State. What do you remember about it? So the tournament, we played LSU, I think it was a second round. Uh, mm-hmm. And that was our closest game. And Ty had been dealing with a lot of, you know, foot stuff. Uh, I think it was a toe injury. And so 
I think he might have left the game or something, but I think they had Marcus Thornton, if I recall right, who who really, yep. really got hot. And that was a <clears throat> that was the closest game we had. And actually, I think they took the lead maybe in the second or whatever, but it came down. It was right to the wire. And I think it was in North Carolina. It was either in Charlotte or Greensboro. Greensboro. Yep. Greensboro. Greensboro Coliseum. Yep. And so, you know, I would say that uh, being close to home had a huge impact. And so it was packed out with Carolina fans. And I don't know if it, that would have been more of a neutral site if we would have pulled that off because that was a that was a shaky game. And we we took that one late. But then every game after that game, we pretty much cruised. And then, you know, we uh, we handled Nova, which was a big game for Wayne Ellington because Wayne is from Philly. And so that was bragging rights, but also was on a big stage. Uh, and Nova was a tough team, uh, but OU, they had Blake uh, Griffin, who was the national player that national player of the year that year, who, um, you know, obviously he went on to have an amazing career and he was getting a lot of hype and putting up some big stats, explosive player. Uh, so that was – we controlled that game. We also – I think we played Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. Uh, but we – Gonzaga a few years before had beaten us in the Garden, Madison Square Garden, and they were a tough team. And so I think that was a big reason why we were so motivated against Gonzaga. We knew they were a tough team. They had some good players, but uh, we came out and pretty much dominated that one. And then we get to the national championship game, which obviously – Gonzaga, Oklahoma, then Nova. Now we have Michigan State. So Michigan State, we had played in December and smacked them, smacked them again pretty handily. And that was around when the economy was really bad and there was a lot of hype about, hey, Michigan State, it's it's just their destiny. They're going to save the con, whatever. And so I think Coach Williams had said that, something like that to us. He was just finding something to motivate us. I don't know if he believed that or not or what. Well, it was in Detroit. Yeah. You're playing Michigan State in Detroit, yeah. right, Ford Field. You'd beaten them by 37 earlier in the year or 33, yeah, 36, excuse me, earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. You'd smack the crap out of them. Yeah. So so, so, so what, what was Coach Williams like before the game? We, we were ready to go. Uh, and to me – I, we were the most talented team, and I, I just felt like if even if we played an average game, I think we win that one, and they play a good game. And then that's just being honest. That may be a little cocky, but that's the way I felt. We had a lot of good players. Uh, Draymond is, is a very good uh, pro, but he wasn't Draymond at Michigan uh, State. He no, was, he was heavy. Yeah. He was heavy. Yeah. That wasn't even that wasn't even a great Michigan State team. Yeah. Right, right. They beat. I think they upset Maryland. Was the was the big upset that kind of propelled them on that run? Yeah, and they had an injury early in the game to one of their key players. Yeah, and so we just yeah. steamrolled them. And I think the game was pretty much at halftime. I felt like you know they they needed a miracle to even make it a game. And so uh, you know. We cruised to a win, but that was a that was a good way for me to go out uh, in my class. After you think, uh, <laughs> you think. So there was a lot of. I mean, th- th- think, think, think about this, okay? Like you, you're a kid from a small town, in Missouri. You go to North Carolina, uh, and you beat Duke all four times. You're an All American. You're ACC Play of the Year, and you progressively get better. Right, mm-hmm. you lose in the final four. You come back. You win the national championship. How is there a better storybook ending to a career? There's not, and to to me, I put a lot of pressure on myself. And there's a lot of outside pressure that uh, you know people would. Well, if you didn't win a national championship, would you be considered a you know a, a great college player? And so that you know, it wasn't about. Uh, <laughs> I, in my mind, I tried to make it up. Well, we're not going to put too much value on one game, but it, it is a big deal. I mean, if if we, if I didn't leave a national champion, uh, especially after everything that our class and myself had accomplished, I, I would feel like there's always something uh, in the back of my well. You know, I didn't achieve this. The ultimate goal, you know, we came up short. But uh, to go out that way, uh, one is a big pressure relief, but also. It's it's uh it's the best way to end it and to have that feeling. Uh, I remember, at, you know, when we had the game and I subbed out. I walked over and uh, 
dapped up Coach Williams. But um, I remember I saw Coach Holiday, who Coach Holiday, he pretty much took care of me in college and gave me a lot of advice. I remember giving him a big hug and, you know, seeing excitement on his face, but also, you know, being excited. I almost felt like he was, you know, so happy for what we had accomplished and so proud of us that that feeling of winning the national championship and giving him a hug uh, after we won, that was, uh, that was one of the best feelings I've had. Um, all right. Put, put, uh, put the truth to the, to the John Wall story. Okay. So John Wall says that he was, he was what visiting Carolina and you didn't want to talk to him because you don't talk to recruits. That that was that was a story he told in the podcast. It, what's the what's what's the reality? I stand by my tweet. I I don't know what he's talking about, and, I, and the story did not happen. It's not it's not true to me. Uh, I don't know why he would make this up. I can't answer that, and that's for him. But uh, there's no animosity or anything towards John Wall. Uh, I will say I I do not believe this story, and I it's uh. I'm having a hard time figuring out when he visited uh, Carolina. I know he's a local kid, and some people are making. Did you were you ever were you ever a host? Were you a host for recruits? Yeah, I mean, and that's something I need to do. I need to have a recruit on. I remember Spencer uh, Hawes came on his visit to Carolina, yeah. had a great time, and so I, I need to have somebody on that was a recruit and you know kind of explain what it was like being a recruit at Carolina. Uh, so you know, I definitely you know I talked to recruits, showed them a lot of respect. And if I didn't, uh, Coach Williams, <laughs> it, it would not be a good situation. I don't care what you accomplish at Carolina. If you ever big time to recruit, uh, you know, Coach Williams, you know, you'd pay for that. The crazy part about it, and, I, and you alluded to it, it was like K- Kentucky people forever gave me shit because they got Eric Bledsoe and John Wall. It didn't make any sense that both those guys would go there unless there was a, a different reason they were going there. <laughs> I mean, like, what, what are we talking about here? Like, come on, man. Like, we weren't. And so uh, we, we've been around this pod- way too long to go like, oh, they get John Wall and, and DeMarcus Cousins and they get Bledsoe and they all just, and they get two point guards that both need the ball in their hands. And they just happen to go there because uh, opportunity to play for Kentucky. Like, get the fuck out of here. Hey, and the best part about it, Kentucky fans are the easiest fans to really like. Say say one oh. thing about Kentucky. Your timeline, I mean, it is guaranteed. Like, oh, you're getting destroyed, and uh, that's been the best part about it. It is just reading the the comments from the Kentucky fans, and I follow you on Twitter. You're great on Twitter, and I always love how uh, you go at some of these comments. And uh, me and my podcast partner, we've been having a great time trying to, you know, should we attack this person? Blah blah blah. It's been it's been pretty great. Did you guys get any? Thing at Cat Carolina, like anything, in terms of we didn't we didn't get shit, nothing. But C- Coach obviously had the reputation from from Kentucky, uh, fair or unfair. Well, how about you guys? No, we didn't get anything. No, uh-uh. I mean it's yeah, I, I went here because uh, of Coach Williams. I didn't go here for any other reason. So crazy. Funny. That's one of the reasons that Coach Sutton respected Coach Williams is he always felt like they did it the right way, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, and then and then everybody does that tour right afterwards. But I'm sure you didn't do it right where they do the barnstorming tour and they play games. Yeah, I did that after, you're, after they're done playing. Mm-hmm. And they, oh, you did? Yeah, it was a great time. I mean, it's uh, yeah. So once you're done playing, uh, all those schools, we all kind of get together and go play exhibition games around local towns and make a little bit of money so that yeah it was a good way i mean yeah all the schools around here did it there's no distance too far for the perfect trip hi checking in for or the perfect table hey where are you coming and when you get access to resi priority notify with your amex platinum card hey this looks amazing i'm so glad you made it and travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through amex travel it's worth the trip that's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Why are you so bad at golf when you're playing with Frazier and, and Wes Miller? Why, why, why do they constantly? Well, <laughs> first of all, uh, <laughs> first of all, you know, Wes is, you know, there's some sneaky ways that sometimes you, you just see a ball that goes directly in the woods and somehow it ends up in the fairway. I'm not calling anybody a cheater, but there's been some su- suspect times. Now, I did get my handicap down to about an eight. Uh, so I, I was rolling at one point, but I haven't played as much because I've been coming back from some knee surgeries and I've really, really gotten into pickleball. These sound like, these sound like excuses. I think it's because the switch that you flip, okay, that doesn't work in golf. Like you just, it just doesn't work in golf. It, I think it's, I think it's the switch. I think you get too, you, you got to get too, you get too, you, you, you don't go, you, if you were T-bone, you would win, but you go psycho T. And that's why you that's why you lose all these golf matches. That that's my personal assessment. I have learned that golf is to mentally challenge you every time you step on the course. And once I I heard a golfer say that, I started calming down. And uh, th- the best part about golf is when you hit it in the woods and you just you just can barely see the flag. And you're like, man, should I pull my five wood out and just drill it uh, 275 yards straight missile and just just kind of land it on the edge of the green. Or should I use a club that I'm actually decent with, my seven iron, and just yes. kind of hit it out there and then put myself in position? Just punch it out. Punch it out, take your medicine. Once I started taking my medicine, I got a lot better. But Frazier, there's nobody that golfs more than Frazier. And so his game's gotten really good. So uh, I'm going to have to start putting a lot of work in. And by the way, Coach Williams is my – he's my partner. And so there's nobody that puts more pressure on me to start working on my game than Coach Williams. Uh, he's also a really, really good putter. And so whenever we're about to go on these golf uh, trips or whatever, I'll get a call. Hey, big fella, you working on your game <laughs> from Coach Williams because he knows I'm going to be his partner. He seems like a good shit talker, too. I bet I, I bet he's I bet there's some good trash talking when he's your partner and you guys are going against the other side. A hundred percent. And he tells me in the car, he's like, all right. They're just beating us. Now I'm going to start talking and mentally get after him. And so and that's what he does. <laughs> Uh, all right, last thing to end part one, because I want to do your life now, and I want to do professional basketball. Uh, actually, uh, yeah, I got, I got two. One is, I don't know if you remember, so draft night, I was working ESPN radio, and I had been on SportsCenter, and I said, like, you know, I don't know what I said. I said, you know, like, uh, my, my eval on you was, like, man, you'll be a good enforcer, worker, like, I don't, you know, top end, like, you know, like a top end out as an all-star or whatever. And you sat down and the, the switch had been flipped. You were a first round pick of the Indiana Pacers. And you were, it was like, you were ready to go. Uh, what do you remember? It was almost like whatever energy you had taken from, whether it's my draft analysis or sitting there waiting or what it was like, you were ready to go. Uh, what was that like for, for you considering your comp- competitor you want to win everything and you sat there longer despite the fact that you won a national championship and you had all those accolades yeah well for me we knew that uh going into the draft i wasn't going to be a top 10 pick and a lot of that for me being at the draft was because of uh my agent told me they wanted me there because of my college career to begin with and we felt like i would be an early earlier first round i wasn't going to be sitting there uh, in the second, for sure. We knew that. And we felt like we had a ceiling at, I would say, around 15. Actually, I think it was maybe been somewhere. We had a commitment in the mid uh, mid to late teens. And so we started working our way up. And actually, I had um, a second draft workout for the Nets. And they had taken uh, Terrence Williams. And I had a really, really good workout for them, my first workout. Then they brought me in couple days before the draft and then I had a better workout. And so I was like, they might take me. And so I felt pretty optimistic about that. 
But when it got down to it, uh, I remember sitting there and I, I didn't really even pay attention uh, to many analysts or I wasn't really paying attention to what everyone was saying. I was just trying to do my workouts and then trying to go from there and try to cut out the outside noise at the time. So I didn't know what anybody else was saying. Uh, but I remember when Indiana came up, I had a pretty good workout. I left there pretty feeling pretty good. And when they're about to pick, you know, we kind of felt like there was a chance. And I looked over at coach and coach Williams was like, I think this is where you're going to go. And my agent at the time said, I, I don't think so. I don't think so. And so <laughs> when Indiana called my name, obviously I was super excited. And uh, yeah, I was, I was very excited about being in Indiana. Uh, obviously Larry Bird. And um, so getting there, you know, I was pretty motivated, but uh when I got to Indiana, obviously I had a lot of injuries my first year and uh, really struggled uh, with some of those injuries. But uh, yeah, getting drafted was a huge deal going late lottery. Uh, you had a workout. This is the one I heard. Okay. You had a workout in Atlanta. Okay. With, I think, Sean Taggart from Memphis. Any recollection of this workout? Uh, I remember working out for Atlanta, huh? I don't remember okay. the specifics. So, so here's the story that I was told. Here's the story that I was told. That uh, Sean Taggart's kid played at Memphis, super talented, right? And um, they Atlanta lo loved you because of sp specifically like this workout where, um, you know, you used to tug on your shorts all the time, right? That was like your, your thing. You tug your shorts. So you're playing one-on-one. -on -one, he gets the ball, shot fakes, lifts you up, goes by, and you go to block a shot, and you don't block a shot, you clobber that fucker, right? Just hammering. And you go back, like, to the free throw line, like, tugging on your shorts, like, ready for, you know, it's a foul, next play, whatever. He gets up, like, what the fuck, man? Like, you know, right? Like, he wants to go. And their desire to take you was because they had some young, immature, big dudes, and they're like, we want Tyler Hansborough to play like that every day in practice to because to to see if if you can get by you can if you can practice against Tyler Hansborough every day, then you can then you you'll be fine in the NBA. That that's the that's the my favorite pre draft story of Tyler Hansborough. <laughs> um, I believe that yeah for sure. Uh, yeah, Atlanta was one of those teams that I felt pretty comfortable. Obviously, Jeff Teague worked out pretty good for him, uh, but yeah, they were later on and uh, we. Yeah, we left that one pretty solid. Have you ever have you ever seen the movie Over the Top? It's an old um, uh, Sylvester. All right, here's so here's the project I have for you. Okay, you get like you get somebody or whatever. You get a, a free night. Throw it on, and, and here's why. Okay, the switch that you flip when you play basketball is you'll see it with Sly Stone. So he's a truck driver that's in like arm wrestling tournaments. Okay, and he's one guy when his hat's on forward. And then when he flips the hat on backwards, like he's like a different dude. That's the that's the switch that you had when you play basketball. It was like it's like a glazed look over your face. There's there's nothing going to stop you from competing and trying to win. So watch that one and tell me if you think that's that's a fair fair comp. All right, I'll, I'll watch that and get back to you for sure. Yeah. Okay. So your your assignment is that, and then we need Ben stories. We need NBA stories. Okay, and we need you. We need to. We need to figure out your golf game because the text I'm getting from West, they, they, he's texting me scores and how much money he's taking off for you, and it's just it's just not a good look. Man, Wes is Wes is Wes is talking a lot of shit. Uh, yeah, when I took that hundo off of him that one time, uh, what's the course? He plays Eagle Point. Yeah, I don't know if he played Eagle Point. We've played uh, everywhere, uh, but. We play Eagle Point. Uh, if you've been to Durham, Old Chatham, that's where I play. Uh, but yeah, we play some good courses. Uh, and uh, Chapel Hills, their main course, Finley's getting redone right now. But uh, Wes can turn it on. Actually, I, I hate to say this, but I pull my three wood out on the tee box. I hit my three wood really good, pretty straight. So do I. So do I. Same, same thing. Right. But it's it's it, the ego takes a blow just pulling. I want the big say. I want the driver, and so I, I recently got something I'm hitting pretty good with the drives. So I think it's going to add a whole new dynamic to my game. And I I'm on about my twentieth putter. So we'll see what happens. 
How can someone get your podcast? It's on every platform. It's Sleep Hawk Worldwide. Uh, yeah, click in, listen to it. We're on every Spotify, uh, Apple, everywhere. Hey, man, I appreciate you taking all this time. It was awesome. Um, let's, let, let's schedule part due. And, and then we can, we can go anywhere you want with the next one. But I appreciate you. Look forward to listening to your pod. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Doug. I'll talk to you, man. All right, that's it for the amateur part of Tyler Hansborough's career. I do. I want to know what it was like in the NBA. I want to know what it was like to be the guy who was the college star and yet now had to be a role player in the NBA. What's it like to walk away from the NBA? What's it like to be Tyler Hansborough now being around college basketball games? What's it like to watch his coach, Roy Williams, who he's so close with, retire? Joe Holiday, retire. We talked about in, in part one. All that's upcoming in part three. In the meantime, remember, download, subscribe, rate, write a review, and don't be afraid to tweet it out or put it on Facebook. Tell people that if you like Duke Carolina, how could you not like catching up with Tyler Hansborough? Thanks so much, T-Bone, for joining us. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play—from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get one hundred and fifty dollars in bonus bets when you bet just five dollars. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet three six five. Twenty one plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call one eight hundred Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Diosa and I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio, season nine. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again and getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us with new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season nine is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts